Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Real Podcast. How's it going, guys? Hey, I'm good. Going good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Well, once again, this is our movie and television entertainment podcast where we go into the latest in movies and TV, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm your host, Jetman7, and as part of this bring back to the entertainment world, we're going to tone it down a little bit tonight. Tonight, we're going to go into what we enjoy. We're going to talk about our favorites in the realms of film. Joining me tonight is a member of our regular cast, Miss Southern Songbird. Hey, guys. And joining us today is one of our co-creators for Fortis Entertainment. Everyone say hello to Euphoric Fever. I am here and I am ready. All right. So some of the ground rules for tonight's podcast. Each of us came up with a list of five of our favorite films. Now, this could be anything from the obscure to the popular to the geeky to the non-geeky. The main focus is just what we enjoy. So, you know, what makes us tick. Now, this can also include film franchises. So, if, say, we have a particular film that, you know, is part of a group and that whole group's good, we might recommend it to you. So, starting off with number five, uh, who would like to go first? I think you should, honestly. Okie dokie. Well, my number five is probably one of my personal favorite comedy films. It's a film that I try to watch as often as possible, at least try to catch it once or twice a year. And that movie is Clue. Did you really modify that answer just based on what Utility Man told you earlier? It was actually an honest uh, option between that or Batman Returns, which is my personal favorite Batman movie, which brought me into the series. I was going to include Clue as an honorable mention, but I did watch Clue the other night, and I had to change my choice literally just now because Utility brought that up. Poor Batman. Hey, there might be a Batman film later on the list. Who knows? But honestly, considering the uh, set of films that I base this off of, I have to give my love to Clue because Clue's just this one comedy that just goes balls to the wall insane. It's slapstick at its finest while also showing the comedic chops of probably some of the best comedic actors that there ever were. I can't help but enjoy all the wordplay, all the pratfalls, all the stuff that goes on. And considering it's the first movie that introduced the concept of the multifaceted ending where you're not sure which one's legit or which one is a hoax or which one to go with, it just has so much fun with its concept that what's not to love about it? Your guys' thoughts? I'm thinking you took down Batman for Tim Curry. Yeah, but, you know, who would you prefer more, Michael Keaton or Tim Curry? Michael Keaton. Tim Curry is sexier. Tim Curry is sexier, even in his old age and wheelchair, etc. He's still a sexy man, but Michael Keaton. Uh, true, but then again, uh, it's the option of Beetlejuice as a Cape Crusader or uh, Rocky Horror as a butler. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Clue. I, I love it. It's a childhood uh, favorite of mine, and God know how many times I've actually watched it. But, hmm, that Batman movie. Well, the one I was thinking was Batman Returns, so. 
See, when you put it as Tim Curry versus Michael Keaton, then I've got to say, you know, i got to go with Curry. But Batman in general, though, oh, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. It's also a good start, though. Clue's a really good choice, though. I'm just saying. Oh, and again, it becomes a fight between which one do you prefer, the uh, comedic slapstick plot that goes all over the place or the movie that, like I mentioned, was my first superhero film, got me into the superhero franchise, but even then has its moments that are just a little cringeworthy, like the demon spawn of a Power Ranger villain and Pee Wee Herman being the main villain of the film. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman. I actually forgot about that. Yeah, and I found out about the Power Ranger casting for the uh, actress who plays uh, Cobblepot's mom just a few months ago. And that just kind of drove me a little, uh, forgive the pun, batty. God damn it. Scuttle, scuttle, scuttle. Jesus, no, we're not doing that here. No. All right, well, uh, well, I'd probably be gentlemen. Uh, Should we go ladies first on the next one? No, you're way past that now. She should have probably gone first in that case. All right. Then in that case, uh, Southern, what's your number five? All right. My number five is a series. of All mine are going to be series. Sorry, guys. But this is a series that really started me out on reading. This is something that I read all the books. It's actually how I started getting more into reading outside of school. And I've become a little obsessed with growing on and on as I've grown older but it's the Harry Potter series. There's just something about it that to this day, I still reread the books, rewatch the movies, everything about Harry Potter I still love. And Britain has finally joined the list. Oh Lord, we're probably going to be seeing more British-based works here in this list coming soon, but I do love the Harry Potter series as well. It's a great series. I love the characters. I love the world that is presented both with the films and with the books as well. It's just something that you can wrap yourself into and immerse yourself into this culture. And for me, knowing that I'm a Gryffindor and knowing what my Patronus is, is just something that I wanted since I was a kid. And now that I'm an adult, I finally have it. And to be immersed just in that culture is an awesome feeling to me. But do you have a preference towards which film in the series you like more, though? Oh, I have to pick one, don't I? Um, You don't have to. I'm just curious. Yeah, it is a curious thought. I mean, for me, for favorite, I would give it to uh, Goblet of Fire, actually. It's probably the darkest, but also has the greatest setup and has a good chunk of adventure to it. See, my favorite are the Deathly Hallows. Part one or two. I knew that was coming. Um, part two. Or as it should have been called, the Battle of Hogwarts plus a break-in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so true, though. Considering how that book was written, the only way you could really get a good stopping point was where they did eventually stop it. I will say part one was heartbreaking towards the end. Just really, you're, you're, you're going to end there. You're, you're going to end. You bastards. But no, two's got a enough plot that it tries to get going and a lot of stuff that's happening in it that I can see where you're going with that. It's a big fight scene. What can I say? It's got an amazing fight scene. Oh, we're gonna have a lot of Marvel on your list then probably. Maybe. Right. Uh oh. Yeah, we're gonna have to prepare ourselves for that. Uh so uh Euphoric, go ahead and give us your number five. What do you got? 
I'm gonna actually going to be really strange as usual. If you guys know me from my core cast, I'm pretty strange. My number Definitely five, cover. right? My number five is actually going to be a relatively newer movie called Sucker Punch. Really? You like Sucker Punch? Yes, I do. And to anyone that actually knows or at least has seen or heard of that movie, it's kind of fan service because it caters to a male audience. However, if you watch it, and I mean really watch it, you will discover that there are so many stories layered upon that movie than you would even expect walking into it. It really takes kind of a theory-crafty mind to really know what's going on in a sense. See, I watched that movie when it came out, and I've caught bits and pieces of it as it's been on a satellite or been on a TV every so often. And I got where it was trying to go, but the way the film goes, and I kind of blame this on Zack Snyder, the director, because this was his first directorial work that wasn't based off of a already existing property. This was his own original work. The way he executed it just seems off to where there's a combination of a pandering while also mocking the pandering. You know, I couldn't really get into myself. It's stylistically a great film. I do agree with that. Just it won my cup of tea in the end. Just really going into it. I mean, uh, Southern Houston movie, haven't have you not? I have not, so I am completely lost. Okay. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, of course, for our audience and for you, of course. But it's mainly these women are all trapped in this mental hospital at first. And to kind of escape, I guess they kind of... I guess are very imaginative. They're kind of put into a different world. And in this other world, they get put into a different world. I'm really bad at explaining. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you now, of course. But it's just that you don't know which world is the real one. I mean, you kind of figure towards the end which one is and that the entire uh, sequence, the entire movie was just some sort of euphoric kind of dream in a sense. Mass hallucination or That's individual's it. hallucination turning into a mass conception. That's it. Those are the words I'm looking for. Thank you very much, Shatman. Welcome. Thank you. It's just brilliant, I think. And I don't essentially like Zack Schneider as a director, but he did a really good job with this, and I'll give him credit for that. Fan service aside, and the music is amazing. Filmatography is amazing. Characters are okay. I guess that's probably the, one of the things that I really kind of have to complain with it, is that the characters are kind of bland at times. Not much personality to them. But... All the other elements are just right, in my opinion. I'll have to look it up then. And again, uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop a moment and say, guys, this is all opinion-based. So this is our list. You may not agree, but I'm going to go ahead and use my opinion card. I don't really like the film. Again, it's not my cup of tea, like I said before, but I do agree visually it is a stunning movie during a lot of the big sequences that they have. Just the way it gets executed just felt off but good choices good choices all around guys all right onward to number four so guys how well do you know me um i don't know is 12 years long enough well not really how long but how well do you know me well my idea that i thought would be on your list apparently is not so i'm doubting it now i don't know you at all i'm just gonna put that out there oh then you'd be surprised if I said what my number four would be? I don't know. What is number four, Jetman? Come on, the suspense <sighs> is killing me. 
I'm five years old again. Number four is the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movie from 1995. Oh, really? I thought that would have been your number one. So that's where I was wrong. It's not that good enough to be number one, honestly. That's my opinion, of course. Okay. My big reasoning on this one is part of it is in effect to my nostalgia for the TV series. If you are a fan of Power Rangers, this was basically your big blockbuster version of what the TV series basically brought every afternoon after you got out of school. Reason why it's my number four. Yeah, obviously the plot has some issues. The characters are corny, but it's still fun. And getting somebody who played such a classic Indiana Jones villain in the form of uh, Belloc playing Ivan Ooze, that was probably one of the coolest things there was. But the big thing about it is the music. Yes, the music's what makes me really love this movie and really actually had an effect on myself because it's the reason why I love rock and classic rock. You're a lot like me when it comes to choosing a good video game, and the music can really, really sell you on things. And tell me this isn't a cool soundtrack. You have oh yeah, four members of the biggest rock bands there were, Mr. Big, Guns N' Roses, Night Ranger, all forming into their own supergroup to do the Mighty Morphin theme, or their rendition of it, which is really fantastic. Then you have music from Devo, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Dan Hartman, Van Halen, you have all these great groups who had music provided to the film, and it helps give a greater feel to it, plus a great epic orchestral soundtrack at various scenes that really get you into the film. It's why I cry at certain moments in that movie, is because of how good some of the orchestrated music is, even if it's still, you know, Power Rangers. I'm just going to go off topic for a minute here. And I just want you to know, you, you mentioned Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I actually turned down concert tickets to do this podcast tonight. Just so you know. Dude, really? Yes, I'm completely serious. Was it for Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yes. Yes, it was. Are you crazy? Yes. Yes, I am. I love you, man. I value you in this podcast this much. Oh, uh, you're like our little triple real hero. Oh, dear God. Okay, uh, 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 Southern, go ahead and go into your number four. I- I'm just going to be in the corner for a second. <laughs> I'm going to come out of shell shock for a minute. Um, wow, really? A rock concert for us? I can just feel the love. Um, but with my number four, I picked a movie franchise, uh, The Mummy. I was obsessed with ancient Egypt from the time I was little until now. And those movies just really called to me because it had the, you know, ancient Egypt, it had, you know, the 20s and 30s, it just had all these different things coming through with it that have wrapped my attention since the first one came out. And I'm actually ecstatic for the new one coming out this year because it seems like it's going to be a little bit more adulty and a little bit more geared to where the age that I'm at now. Now, mind you, I don't think the new one's going to be connected to this franchise. Now, when you say the franchise, are you referring to classic monster movie? Or are you talking about the Brendan Fraser set of films? Um, I'm going to say the Brendan Fraser set of films. Okay, yeah, the, because there's a bit of a distinction between the uh, Universal monster films and the ones that they made with Brendan Fraser. Those films are awesome. I do agree. Even uh, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, which isn't really a favorite of mine, it still has its epic moments, and I can't help but enjoy the film. 
Ah, but Brendan Fraser is such a bad actor, though. But they were good movies. Yeah, I, I like them. Very suspenseful. Very, a lot of action to them. But that acting. Would you replace one Brendan Fraser with the entirety of the cast from my last choice? That's a very good point. You make very solid statements there, Jetman. Hey, I can even knock on my own favorite stuff. Yep, yep. <laughs> As you should for that movie. But still, I do like the uh, setup for the story, and I'm going to throw this one out there. Ardith Bay is a badass. He should be considered returned for this new Mummy movie, even if it's not even connected to the whole series. Alright. Uh, okay. I'm actually anxious, really anxious for the new one coming out, though. I will give you that. The new one coming out here this year looks really, really hype. Oh, yeah. Love the setup for it. I love Oh, hush, you. you're biased. Excuse me? You're, like, immensely biased. For good-looking films? For Power Rangers. I thought you were talking about The Mummy. I no, I was talking about Power, Power Rangers. Power Rangers. No, I was talking <laughs> about The Mummy there for a second, but if we're talking about Power Rangers, yeah, I'm looking forward to that new film. But, no, I was talking about The Mummy. I just like the visual style for how this new film's going to look. And I was talking about how Ardeth Bay from the first two of that Mummy film series was just a badass. Agreed, uh-huh. Southern? Agreed. And I'm with a new one. I like how it's kind of darker and not as... I don't want to say childish as the first ones are, but it was very toned down, like a lot of movies were back in the day. But this one's just darker. It's deeper. It's edgier. It's. I hope it's amazing as I'm hyping myself up that it's going to be. Well, we'll probably be talking about that one when we get to our list about 2017 films. But anyway, let's continue on. Euphoric, number four, please. Uh, my number four is actually going to be Hmm, I, I really had to think hard about this list like the last an hour, I guess, because you guys brought some really good franchises in our little pre-talk. So I really want to put Lord of the Rings franchise on there, honestly. Ooh, yes, that is a good franchise. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. I would normally be on my number one, but the fact is, is it's I'm counting the entire franchise, not just a single movie, of course. So I got to take bad with the good in a sense. So therefore, it kind of knocks it down to the number four spot for me. But everything about the movie, the movies, I should say, is just it's astonishing. It's breathtaking. The the, the setting, the music. The New Zealand is absolutely gorgeous. I'm not going to go ahead and throw that out there. I mean, if I could live there, I would. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the look of the place, I mean, I've added New Zealand to a list of places I want to go to because of how beautiful it looks all throughout the Lord of the Rings films. Now, quick question. Are you talking about when including the trilogy or are you including the Hobbit films that have recently come out as well? Now, you see, as a franchise, I really probably can't include the Hobbit because that's not the Lord of the Rings. It's part of the Lord of the Rings like mythos. But yeah, but I, I'm specifically pointing out the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King. Okay. Exactly. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, I, I could spew on it. I really could. Do you really want me to? I, I can, but... I mean, the big thing, I'm going to turn this question on you since you uh, turned it on to uh, Southern back when we were talking about her number five. Mm-hmm. Which one's your favorite of the three? My favorite, uh, I'd probably say Two Towers. Ooh, second film of the group. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just the Battle of Helm's Deep is just, it it really kind of sealed the deal for me when I first saw it. It just kind of, boom, 
it it's the battle lasted like an entire hour and everything about it was just done so so in detail and the way they actually did the editing and the casting they actually had a lot of people for that set and they had to do a lot of movie film editing and manipulation to get everything just perfect and i can really appreciate the time and effort that it took to do that correctly oh yeah that fight scene was a marvelous scene i will say that the follow-up uh with the big fight for gondor in uh, return of the king that one is just a big old slug fest that one was just visually astonishing how big and how glorious that battle eventually goes. So kudos yeah. on that one. Hell yeah. That was one franchise. I just, I couldn't make myself sit still long enough because after the little guy started going, my precious, I just lost it. It's a dedicated franchise. I mean, you have to admit, Fellowship of the Ring, although a great movie, it's kind of long-winded. It takes a lot to kind of get into it. And it's just kind of, okay, is something going to happen? Is something going to happen? And then something happens, and then it takes another hour for something to happen. So it's kind of just a slog fest in a sense. But, now, are you talking about the theatrical cut when you say that, or are you talking about the extended? The extended. Okay. Yeah, theatrical cut has its moments where it seems slow as well. But when you get to the extended, then it feels like it's taking ages. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and a lot of people say that there's a there's all the character development is done in Fellowship of the Ring. I actually think a lot of the character development is done in Two Towers. You get to learn about Aragorn's history with Arwen. You get to learn about more about uh, Sam and Frodo's relationship as that kind of develops and molds. Same thing with Smeagol. I mean, the only other time in uh, Fellowship, I mean, you learn some stuff with Fellowship about some of the characters and how everything goes. And I will say the extended edition does bridge a scene that I, a moment that I couldn't understand from the rest of the series onward is how there's all of a sudden this random camaraderie between uh, Gimli and uh, Legolas. Yeah. Yeah. They never explain. Like they go one movie where they're like bad mouthing each other and all this to the two towers with my personal favorite scene. I can't see the battlefield. Should I describe it to you? Or should I bring you a box? And they're just laughing it up right before the big battle in Helm's Deep. That relationship goes from being hate and distaste and distrust of one another to being rivals. So that rivalry is what kind of initiates that friendship. So it's great. It really is a lot of development in that movie. And Return of the King kind of brings everything home for it. So I love that movie as well. But Two Towers is definitely my top for the franchise at least. Yeah, and the only downside with Return of the King is that it suffers from ending fatigue. Oh, yeah. Plus trying to top Battle of the Helm to deep. Mm. Yeah, tall order, tall order. Thank you, man. Okay, number three. And number three is going to make me feel like a very major nerd. And oh, you haven't already? Oh, ha ha. Number three, Highlander. Okay, never mind. Take that back. That is a huge, huge nerd thing right there. And really just the first one in regards to film. I love the TV series. I love the elements from it. But it was this first Highlander film that really got me into the story, really got me in the mythos. I love the characters. I love how it follows this history. It's not just about an immortal individual chopping people's heads off, even though some of the battle scenes are fun. It's this whole steep story about having to live all these lifetimes and not having to be with those you're connected to and having to find yourself while in this time. 
it's such a great story and it's worthwhile and worth watching from start to finish. You know, I'm going to be honest. I've actually not seen Highlander. I've really, really wanted to. And my father was obsessed with that movie and that series for the longest time when I was younger. But I just, I never saw it. I've, and then again, I've always wanted to. I just haven't. Same here. Oh, damn. I thought I'd be the odd man out. Holy shit. All right. I'm not the horse in the room. What's up, everybody? I, I, feel like, I feel like I need to hand in my nerd card now. You're the horse in the room. Of course I am. But really, it is such a beautiful film. It is a really good one to get into. And I mean, and considering who all's in it, from Sean Connery to Clancy Brown playing probably one of his first of big villain roles, if you love him for playing stuff like Lex Luthor or the uh, drill sergeant from uh, Starship Trooper or anything else he's really been in where he's just been that tall, tough asshole figure that you can't help but hate or love at the same time this was his first role to do that and it's glorious i get out of comment more like on it, it but i've not seen it although i hear it's aged immensely well it has i mean i first started watching this back in 2005 that's about 20 years after it originally came out oh and also the soundtrack by the badasses themselves, Queen. Most of the great rock music in that movie is done by Queen with an amazing orchestra by Michael Kamen. Oh, I get tense when you say Queen. Oh, geez. Okay, now no, I have to watch it. And no, Euphoric, that one song you hate immensely is not in it. Okay, okay. I'm good then. <laughs> I literally, like, my entire body just relaxed. How can you hate Queen? Oh, no, no, I love Queen. I love Queen to death. But you mentioned one certain song, and... Uh, I will flip out. I will turn you to the horse of the room. Let me just say, there are no scenes at all that involve that particular song. Good, good, good. I'm not going to ruin your viewing experience ever. And we're not going to name that song ever. No, we are not. All right, that's good. I got blackmail. Keep that in mind. Oh, who says it's blackmail? (laughs) So, Southern, how about you? What's your number three? So, my number three, I was going to be a smartass and put, like, a tie. Um, But I finally... Yes. I finally did settle, though, on the... Even I say no on that one. Okay, well, I didn't. I finally settled, okay? Um, The Batman series. And I'm talking, like, the 90s Batman. Okay, it, thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. The new ones, I like okay, but with just the 90s of Tim Burton, Batman, those are just amazing to me. I remember watching him as a kid with my dad, and I didn't Staring at George Clooney's nipples. <laughs> no, I was a kid, okay? But I just remember sitting there and spending the time with my dad. That's why I'm still passionate about baseball, football, and Batman. Is because I just, that's how I connected with my dad. Because my parents divorced when I was little. So I only get to spend a couple weeks with him a year. So, yeah. And see, I love the uh, Burton Batman films. I even like the Schumacher ones. I can get past the bat nipples and bat credit card and all that other BS. I enjoy the film. I know Batman Robin has that issue where it's, 
been derided for the whole uh, executive meddling uh, that caused it to be a giant toy commercial. I still enjoy a lot of those films from this day on. George Clooney's Metal Nipples. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But still, I can still get into the story and enjoy it. Although, You're a little too obsessed right there, Euphoric. You're a little too obsessed with the nipples. Hey, hey, I haven't gotten to Alicia Silverstone yet. Just saying. Yeah, okay, but... But again, it's still a fun story. And again, like I mentioned, Batman Returns was my first film, and that was a big part of Burton Day. So I see the love for that, and I do agree that, that is a great series. Euphoric? What you got for us this time? I'm going to go with actually a movie that I watch pretty much every year on tradition, and that is Love Actually. Oh, I actually haven't seen that one. But I've you haven't seen it. Love Actually. You just said the beginning of this podcast with Southern Second Choice that the British are actually coming in now. Holy shit on a stick. You haven't seen Love Actually. No, I have not. I want to see it at some point. I really do. Go do yourself it's an immense favor so and long. watch that. Yeah, go watch that. Like, after this pod... No, wait, just turn the podcast off. Stop right now, leave the chat, and go watch it. Well, considering we still have my number two and number one, and I am the host, I think we're going to hold off on that until we finish here. No, I got you covered. I, I, I'll, I'll put you on your two. I, I'll, I'll guess. I'll make very good guesses, I promise. And you go do that. Go ahead and take them now, and I, I will see what I think. Okay, okay. So Love Actually is a movie about very many little stories. It has about 12 characters. I'm just guessing, mind you. Literally the main cast. And it follows each of their lives in little segments here and there. It has like Alan Rickman in it. It has Hugh Grant in it. It has the, the I can't remember his name, the guy who plays Rick on Walking Dead. But um, it follows all these little stories and all of them are sweet and they're very detailed. You get to know the characters. You start rooting for the different ones. And it's, it's a romance comedy. It's your typical romance comedy. And it really, really has just a pleasant mood about it. You don't feel bad watching it at all. Every single scene is done so well and very meticulous in how they register the emotion that you're trying to correspond with in a, as an audience. And it's just, it's perfect. It's, it's Christmas magic. And I say Christmas magic because it is technically a Christmas movie, but you can watch it any time of the year. See, and the main thing I know about that one is that that was the first one in a set of films that we saw that had the multi-story angle arc with the uh, the characters and how they intermix and everything, uh, such as he's just not that into you and Valentine's Day and films like that. Mm -hmm. They've none of them have done as well as Love Actually. And I actually enjoy uh, he's just not that into you. It's a funny little film, but I mean, I figured if I enjoy it, I imagine I enjoyed uh, Love Actually. So that's actually a really good choice there. And again, this is what our favorites list is supposed to be doing it's supposed to be getting people interested in orcs and getting people to know what we enjoy and hopefully getting them out there to give other films a try so i've got a film on my list i need to add at this point oh yeah i need to rewatch it now that i can actually pay attention to more things now because you know my add kicks in like hardcore but I need to retry it now to see if i can actually because the way the storylines change like that it's you used to throw me for a loop, so I have to rewatch it now. Thanks. You are quite welcome. I am so happy to be here to recommend that amazing movie to you. 
you don't need a, a long attention span to pay attention to because again it's a lot of little stories and it's very well put together plus rowan atkinson is in it and he's my hero see you said alan rickman and andrew lincoln and you had my attention of course i did yes everyone hail the rickman and hail the atkinson okay onward to our number twos this is where things are going to get fun my number two consists of about 24 films 25 if you include one of the offshoots which we aren't going to i am a big old pathetic fan of the james bond series you and my father get along immensely i've enjoyed james bond since i was about nine years old it started with a little video game called GoldenEye, and it expanded whenever I first saw the opening sequence to Live and Let Die. The gun barrel, the opening song, the music, everything about it just really got me interested in the James Bond character, and I've been hooked ever since. Out of all of them, which one is your favorite? Jeez, no pressure. A uh, quick question. Are you talking classic, the first 20, uh, then the Daniel Craig era, or just in general of the whole 24 film set? The whole kit and caboodle. Mm, okay. Well, if we're going to go with the whole kit and caboodle, I have to go with Casino Royale. Good choice. The story's fun. It's a good modern introduction to James Bond. The music is great as it slowly goes into this weird, unsure background that the theme song, You Know My Name, comes from into the eventual evolution and transformation of this character into the James Bond 007 that we're all supposed to know and love. And it's a fun thrill from start to finish. Do you prefer Daniel Craig over like Pierce Brosnan? All the 007s bring something to the table. I actually like all of them, doesn't matter who it was or what film. I'll even defend George Lazenby. And most people hate George Lazenby and uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service just because of him. But I will defend him to the grave if need be. Okay, I gotta ask, since you're a fan of the James Bond series, and mind you, it's a great franchise just overall, how do you feel about the Austin Power series? I actually get a laugh out of Austin Powers. I completely enjoy it. Even I will admit, I mean, I would be willing to dog James Bond for some of its more kitsch elements. And the Austin Powers ramps that stuff up to 11 for the joke value while still enjoying itself and having a good time with it. Okay, that's good. Because I know so many 007 fans that just hate hate like royal passion and then I, I i will say royal passion because it's james bond um that they hate the austin powers series oh no i get the joke with what they're trying to go for with austin powers i think they're trying to aim for the whole spy genre that bond introduced in general but it still takes a crack at the 007 one as its primary focus as we get with even the name titling like the spy who shagged me and gold member and all that stuff all right. I mean, I just want to be James Bond. I want his toys. And of course, you can't help but love Desmond Llewellyn in this queue since you brought that up. My next little off-topic question is, what is your favorite device? Mm. Okay. If we're just talking about an individual device, I'd say my personal favorite was the dart gun from Moonraker. 
Ooh, why that one? Well, it's something that's hidden inside of a wristwatch, just moves by the nerve impulses. So it's one of those things where if someone thinks they've got you unarmed and dead to rights, just all of a sudden flick of your wrist and they're the one that's down for the count. But I have good aim. What if I have good aim? I'm just saying that's one of those things that you only have one shot. If you screw that up, you're a dead man. And your one trick pony is just kind of gone. Oh, the only other one that I enjoyed other than that, and you might consider me weird for it, is just all the Q watches in general, because there's always some combination of, again, that dark gun, a built-in laser, and a few other neat little trick items. I think he even started a car once with uh, one of the watches. I'm going to be having to remember that one. No, never mind. It was a keychain that he used. But still, those watches... Oh, God, without those watches, he'd be a dead man three times over, at least. Well, I mean, if you look at like back in history, a lot of the things we have today, a lot of the technology and devices and inventions we have come from either Star Trek or James Bond. I do agree with that. So I do believe that um, James Bond is one of the, like, the heralds of like today's technology. We wouldn't have a lot of it, or at least a good bit of convenient ones without that franchise. Now, if you wanted me to expand on that a little bit to include vehicles as well, I want that Aston Martin DB5. I'll take any of the cars. I don't care which one. Whoa. (laughs) Let's go ahead and move on. Southern, number two, please. My number two is a little different. It's Uh a completely different genre than has been mentioned yet. Um, The Lonesome Dove series. Oh, our first Western. Here we That's go. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Well, I said open-ended, so that's no problem. So go ahead. Talk to us. Lonesome Dove is, yes, it's a Western, but it's a tale of two friends. You know, it's their journey from Texas, which, of course, that's why I started watching it, on their way to Montana and back. And it's not just the Lonesome Dove at Streets of Laredo. It's the whole thing. Because there's actually three separate ones, at least. But you have Robert Duvall. You have Tommy Lee Jones. You have all these big-name actors, Danny Glover. And it's what started me on watching Westerns. And it's just something that's always had a special place in my heart. And, yeah, no, we don't rent pigs. The only Westerns I've seen are either comedy parodies like uh, good old Mel Brooks film and uh, mainly just like either older films or even uh, the only most recent Western I can think of I've seen is Tombstone. I want to send you a list. You need to watch Lonesome Dove, True Grit. You can watch both of them if you want. Oh, um, God. Oh. Yes. No Grit, Country no. for Old Man. That's a Western? No Country for Old Men kind of goes Western because it's based in like out West. It's like a modern day Western. I still classify it into that genre. But I've got a whole list for you if you'd like. If anybody out there wants a list of good Western movies to watch, let me know. I'm your girl. Yeah, if you want good Westerns, watch anything John Wayne except for True Grit because I hate that movie. Or go watch Firefly. Space Western. I like yep. it. Yep. I've seen the series. I just need to add Serenity and once I've seen that, I've seen everything related to Firefly. And once you watch Serenity, you will cry for weeks. Just saying. I still cry. Oh, and I forgot. I've also seen Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. And 
those are great movies. And both of them are technically Westerns. So, yeah. I'm just surprised we actually had a Western in this, in these top fives. I'm, I'm actually really impressed. I'm surprised another genre hasn't appeared on here. I might be the uh, one who presents it, but, but let's see. Euphoric, number two. Um, I'm going to actually do a little old movie called Radio Days. Has anyone ever seen this? I may have seen it. I haven't really heard the title up to here, but if you describe it, I might remember it. Radio Days is actually a, I think it came out in the 60s. It's actually a Woody Allen movie. He narrates it and he kind of plays through this kid's life as he grows up in the streets of New York slash Brooklyn. And it's like during the World War II era. And so it's kind of like this kid having to grow up and adapt to everything going on around him during the war. So he's like, I think, six or seven, and he lives with like a, they're an immigrant family in a sense. So he having to grow alongside all his family's quirks and all their good and bad traits, I suppose. And you, you kind of go through like a year of his life, his, his obsessions and just how he's being raised along these streets. It's a really good heartwarming kind of movie in a sense, and it has a lot of comedy to it. Sounds like a bit of a deep introspective sort of work. Yeah, it's actually fairly accurate to the air and the time. I think the movie is a work of fiction, but I mean, it's still pretty good. I'd recommend it. No, I haven't seen a whole lot of Woody Allen's work, but from those who I do know who have seen it, they've always mentioned that his work has always been a really good setup, really good stories, really good execution. Yeah, that might take away some of my film buff cred there, but still... I'm kind of interested in seeing some of his stuff, and Radio Day sounds like a good way to really bring me into it. Well, let me actually clarify the thing. I said the 60s. I actually meant the movie was released in 1987, honestly. Uh, I just now looked it up. Sorry. But again, you're kind of growing up alongside these people when radio was the main form of entertainment. A lot of the cast is involved in radio or listens to the radio nonstop, and that's their main form of entertainment, their main form of news. So you are essentially living alongside some of the most extreme and noteworthy news that's possible at the time. Like the, what was the the world's broadcast? If you actually know about yeah. Oh yeah, the uh, infamous uh, Orson Welles reading that uh, almost brought people into panic. That that is actually a classic. I've heard about the circumstance with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, plus it's Seth Green, a young Seth Green. Oh, that's the main character is Seth Green. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. Sounds interesting. The earliest I've seen Seth Green in is Stephen King's It, which is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, uh, Even though I hate that, if that's on your list. If that's on your list, I was going to laugh. But no. I mean, the music is from the 30s and 40s. The track list, the OST is really, really good. I don't especially like Woody Allen, especially kind of what he turned into as he grew older. I mean, no offense to anyone who actually likes him, but he does a really remarkable job narrating this. I believe you can like somebody for the work that they do and not like them as a person. So that's just me. But but thank you for that, man. Okay, here we go, guys. Our number ones. Everyone started getting their drum rolls going because we're going to start this off with another genre, like Southern mentioned, that has not been mentioned yet. We're going animated for my number one. Of course. This is the very first movie I remember seeing. It's a movie that I cherish. This is a movie that I hold 
dear to my heart from this day on. And believe me when I say March 17th is a day of reckoning because if this movie is not good, I will be very, very angry until March 24th. And if that movie's not good, I'm going to destroy things. My number one is Beauty and the Beast. Wow. Like, really, wow. You weren't expecting that, were you? No. 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 Beauty and the Beast. I, I, am, I am pleasantly shocked. That movie was the very first movie I remember seeing in the cinema. I was two years old. My mom took me to the theater in 1991. We sat down, and I fell in love automatically. The ambiance, the story, the characters. I just couldn't help but enjoy it. It's what started me into enjoying Disney, and it's been my favorite movie ever since. See, I liked Beauty and the Beast, but I was a Little Mermaid. I, oh yeah, I was Ariel all the way. Oh, of course you were. Oh, I couldn't help it. I, you know, wasn't born until that year when that movie came out, so I didn't really have a chance to see it and enjoy it until later in life. But Beauty and the Beast, that was perfect timing. That was me just turning two years old and just enjoying it. You're like three months older than me. I feel old shit. But but out of all the Disney movies, I I wasn't expecting that, really. I mean, there's really good Disney movies out there. And don't get me wrong, Beauty and the Beast is up there, and it's definitely one of them. Now, you see, I would probably would have expected like The Lion King or something, but I think I understand it's the nostalgia that makes it so. Well, again, yes, it is a combination of nostalgia that has it, but also if we were basing off nostalgia, like you guys said, Power Rangers would have been my number one. But it's also the essence of the story. It's the music. It's the characters. It's the fact that the movie was so good that the Academy Awards acknowledged it and was willing to give this movie the very first nomination for Best Picture, which has only been done twice maybe three times for an animated film up to this point okay i mean i really hope the new one coming out the live action one is really good because again the first one the animated movie was exceptionally good for its time in its era but i'm really all struck at your number one i really am i was not expecting that and here you were saying you should choose my number two and number one for me surprise surprise well, i was gonna say pixels or something Oh, let's keep the ball rolling. Number one, let's see if uh, Southern here can give us a shock and surprise. Well, it's not going to be a shock. It's not going to be a surprise, especially if you know me. And I know, I know Euphoric Fever hates this, but my number one, Star Wars. Knew it. Uh, uh, I'm going to get so much flack for that answer, but I hate, hate Star Wars. I'm what what makes you hate it? Why do you hate why do you hate Star Wars? Okay, okay, hold on. One 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 question before we go into that. The whole series, the original trilogy, the prequel, in case we're getting into nitpicking territory. Nitpicking the original three from the seventies. And then newer ones, like I liked episode seven and Rogue One. And I'm really excited for eight. When Southern, it comes out. That upsets me even more because the worst Star Wars are the first three. The original I trilogy? See. Yes. Ooh, interesting. 
Give me episodes four, five, and six, and I'm a happy girl. Now, the ones from the 90s, you know, episode one, two, and three with Hayden Christensen, I just, I sometimes pretend they don't exist. They don't do anything for me. Thoughts there, Euphoric? One, why I dislike Star Wars, or why do I hate especially the first original three? Well, a little bit of both. Why not? Okay. This is not what this podcast is supposed to be about, just for the record. Star Wars is an amazing series, and I know I'm contradicting myself in saying that, but for what it did at the time and in the era and in the industry, it's an amazing series, very innovative, and it brought a lot of good to the film industry. However, the reason why it's so popular is because of those reasons. The characters are bland and flat. It's convoluted. The story made little to no sense when it first was released, and they had to scramble to put things together, and in a way that has no real merit. Okay, Luke and Leia are in love with each other. Oh, wait, now they're brother and sister. What the hell? I mean, Jar Jar Binks is probably the worst period character period ever period. I hate the series, but that character pretty much can solidify that claim. The story has to, you have to need a Bible just to understand it. And I understand that there are a lot of movie franchises out there that you do need an atlas just to understand what's going on. But that series especially, especially since releasing episode one, two, three, four, up to 27. So what order do you watch it in? Do you watch the original trilogy first? Who shot first? Who is Luke? Why is he main character? Does he have any sort of meriting feature at all? Darth Vader, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We have no idea. And... The worst part about it is just all the hype. There's so much wrong with the series. Just, ugh. And time. Okay. Um, I think we uh, almost killed our boss now. Uh, but I see where you're going with this, Park. But I still enjoy the series. I like the series. I like the characters. I like the concept. I like the visuals. Yeah, some of the films aren't exactly that great, but it's still a fun franchise to go through from start to finish. That's because Chewbacca is the best. Of course. Anyway, Euphoric, your last one, buddy. What's your number one? Well, I was going to say an animated film like you, because I really have a tie for number one. And I'm really debating between Princess Mononoke and what I'm actually going to say for number one is. And that is the movie Gladiator. Are you not entertained? That is an epic movie. The music, the visuals, the story itself, uh, even Russell Crowe's acting. And mind you, I don't think Russell Crowe's a great actor, but in that movie, he nailed it. That is actually a really good epic. And that, if I remember correctly, that is Ridley Scott directing, correct? Yes, it is. It was Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe, and it was pretty much their first exclusive film they worked together on, and they've been working together ever since then. But the movie is an epic. It tells the tale of the Roman Colosseum and the gladiators that are involved in it. And it kind of gives you a better understanding of what the gladiators had to go through. And that may or may not be entirely 100% true, but it still doesn't shirk the fact that you kind of feel the issues and the emotions the gladiators have to go through to just stay alive, to have a good life. To become great. It's not just about surviving. It's also becoming famous in a sense. And when you're famous as a gladiator, you pretty much have control over the people more so than as you've seen the movie, The Emperor would. It's just a great movie. It really makes you feel good to watch the bad people lose. Oh, yeah. It's a great film. 
the characters are amazing. And I, my personal favorite is, uh, if I remember, it's Commodus, who's the villain in this one, the uh, Emperor. He is just damn evil. And, uh, oh, God, just every time he walks into the scene, he just takes it. There's no way about it. He is probably the best parts of the film. And then Russell Crowe just does a beautiful job with it start to finish. That is a good choice. Oh, yeah. And mind you, Russell Crowe plays the same character in all of his movies. I mean, you, you look at Robin Hood, etc., and they're all pretty much the same role. But he just nailed that performance. Plus, again, I could gush solely on the movie just for the music. The music in that film is fantastic. Of course. Agreed. Southern? I'm still in shock that he picked the gladiator. Why are you shocked about that? <laughs> it's just not something I pictured you, Ophelia's leader, uh, picking. I don't know. I was expecting something completely different. What were you expecting, Southern? Do you really want to know? <laughs> uh, probably not, but humor me. Either something anime or something about birds. I did mention that Princess Mononoke is like my number one as well, right? Yes, uh, which, mind you, that is a great anime film. I do agree with you on that. Oh, yeah. Could have been worse. Somebody could have assumed Rocky Horror Picture Show, but eh, who knows? We know who assumed that. Hey, hey, hey. Rocky Horror is a good movie. It's a good cult classic. And Agreed. the birds? I mean, come on. Like I said before, I mean, I like the Vertigo as, as far as Hitchcock movies. Vertigo is a really good one. What I meant to say, Southern, is excuse me, princess. Oh, God. Oh, God. I am a princess. Now, don't you forget it. Well, I've got to go ahead and uh, start winding up the reel on this one before the chairs start getting thrown at each other from two states away. Nope, just one. Well, guys, thank you very much for coming on here and talking about movies with me. Anybody want to mention where they can be found at, as in Twitter handles or anything along those lines? Uh, what well, does exist? We have those. Well, I can be found at Jetman7 on Twitter. That's J-E-H-T-M-A-N-7. So if you have any questions, just pop me a message on there. Southern or Fork, uh, do you guys have uh, means to be reached? I don't know if I want to say mine because I'm going to get flooded with hate mail just from hating Star Wars. Ah, shoot. Whatever. I'll humor you people. Don't throw shade my way. I said this two podcasts now. Holy shit. Um, you can reach me at, at Euphoric Fever on Twitter. That is E-U-P-H-O-R-I-C-F-E-V-E-R. Please don't hurt me. And I'm on Twitter at Southern Songbird. S-O-U-T-H-E-R-N. S-O-N-G-B-I-R-D. If you can't spell a Southern Songbird, then please go back to grade school. Just saying. And now from that spelling test, we do thank you very much for uh, listening to us tonight here at the Triple Reel Podcast. The reels come to an end. Our viewings are ending now. Thank you so much and have a lovely night. Good night. Go watch all of our movies except Star Wars. No, go watch Star Wars and send you for it, Kate Mail, please. Shit.